TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. on everybody i'd like to thank you once again for uh listening to another episode of the outsider's edge it's your boy rance aka ray cash and uh i am here with my golden lovers brethren the coda to my kenny mr kyle morris what's happening kyle how you doing man it's a great night happy to be here uh once again shout out to our missing brother in arms carl hashtag bring carl back yes bring carl back the column's coming in 2022 something like that uh yeah so carl will be back one of these days but in his replacement we have mr social suplex we have one half of the hosts of keeping the strong style aka the ace of podcasting the flagship the, show the, the flagship that we got uh we have the superstar himself mr jeremy donovan hey what's up so, so, guys thanks for having me on it's a pleasure to be on the outsider's edge for the first time you know, uh, this week, uh, the young boy, Josh Smith, he was, you know, asking why he wasn't invited on the show. And I told him, I was like, you know, they, they don't they didn't want a young boy on. They didn't need a young boy. They needed a main eventer. They needed a top draw. And so they call in the big guns. Top yes. guys. <laughs> yeah, there's no room in the mid card on this show. I got that on lockdown. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, we got a few things we want to talk about, but Kyle, you wanted to start the show a certain way, right? Yeah, yeah. so um, this is our first official Outsider's Edge of the month of October, and as I'm sure y'all are aware, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, and what you may not be aware of is that my mom is actually a breast cancer survivor. She battled breast cancer for most of last year, and I wanted to start off the show with two statements. Um, the first one Everybody get your annual health screenings, please, like, especially um, to our female listeners, you know, get your annual mammograms. Early detection is so important when it comes to not just breast cancer, but any kind of cancer, and it can strike anyone at any age. Um, But my second PSA relating to Breast Cancer Awareness Month is, y'all, give your money to literally anybody but the Susan G. Komen Foundation. They do not do good charity work the majority of your donations do not go to research or care. They go to overhead costs. And if you're going to donate to a cancer society, donate to a better one than Susan G. Komen. Okay. I'm with it. Uh, yeah. My, my grandmother is a breast cancer survivor too. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's something near and dear to both of our hearts. I'm pretty sure Jeremy's too. Jeremy works for a nonprofit. So uh, Yeah. Please go get checked out. We cancer is a bitch. We need to make sure we do what we can to eradicate cancer. Uh, right, and like you're saying, like you're saying, Kyle, it's so important. You know, get that early checkup. And just you, you might not feel like anything's wrong, but hey, just go ahead and absolutely. do it. Absolutely. So often, if you catch it early, it's the difference between being a survivor and being a statistic. Yeah, um, that's a real that's a real somber way to start the show, but. 
We're about to get right into it. I promise it. that'll be the saddest thing we do today. I, don't, I, I, I can't <laughs> promise that because this is the edge. We say some crazy things. Um, oh, by the way, Jeremy, yeah, you know we go hard in the show. So you got you, you to gotta go yeah, hard. Yeah, trust me. I know. I, I listen to The Edge all the time. I, I know how you know both of you guys have strong opinions, and I know the warning comes on at the beginning of the show. So, <laughs> you know, we call ourselves contrarian, but it's not contrarian if you're right. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's. I like the way you put that. I need to use that. I like the way you put that. Um, that sounds like it could be on a T-shirt. Hey, man, look. No, no. The the Outsiders Edge T-shirt is gonna be. Catch that ass whooping. <laughs> that that is that is Kyle's new that and the Geek Squad are Kyle's new sayings. If you didn't if you if you didn't know listening, that, those are the Kyleisms of the show. Facts. Um. So you know, normally we talk WWE, but yes, we we pay attention to New Japan. We watch New Japan. I know I'm Mister WWE. I'm a homer, but I I do enjoy New Japan uh, more often than not. And a lot of stuff has been happening over there recently that's been catching my eye and that's been super interesting as of late. And they've had two major shows. Uh, King of Pro Wrestling just happened this past Monday. And the show before that was, what was the show before that, Jeremy? Fighting Spirit Fighting Unleashed Spirit in Long yes. Beach. Yes. Um, and uh, a lot of stuff has been happening. So I, I kind of wanted to talk, to talk to my guy catch up with him and kind of figure out what the hell's going on because we're two we're th- almost three months away from wrestle kingdom yep yeah we're on the road to wrestle kingdom right now so uh i guess we can kind of uh i know you guys just released y'all's news episode of keeping a strong style i haven't got a chance to listen to that yet but i just wanted to let you, i told you earlier i'm sorry if i asked you the same questions y'all talked about but um i think we don't really have to go through the card per se. We can, we're going to hit everything just about, but I think the biggest talking point leaving, uh, fighting, uh, leaving King of pro wrestling is that Jado Gato and switchblade have joined the bullet club. OGs. Yeah, definitely. One of the big talking points there. Uh, and a great example of, I have gotten a chance to listen to the, latest episode of KISS, and I think it's a great example of what y'all were talking about with some of that westernization in New Japan. Yeah. Well, before we even go any further, how do you feel about that? Because I just read an article this earlier today <clears throat> saying that the morale is lower than it's been in a long time because Harold Measury, or how do you say his last name? Uh, May. May. Yeah, Harold May, um, him and his new group who took over, um, that's the new guy, right? Yeah, Harold May. Yeah, he's a new uh, president. You know, they brought him in to specifically for the global expansion yes. for New Japan. You know, he came from a, a big toy company and he did like a wonders for that company um, and getting it to go international. And so they brought him in to kind of take over the international expansion of New Japan. But, you know, since he, you know, he came in uh, around Dominion time. And so now he's kind of like brought in his own crew and, uh, the reports are that, you know, several officials that New Japan wrestlers respect have been let go and replaced by um, Harold May's regime. So a lot of wrestlers are unhappy about that. Um, and since he's been in, um, you know, a lot of people have been saying that uh, New Japan has become more westernized with a lot of the um, more storyline driven stuff they're doing and just 
pushing. No, obviously a, a lot. Yeah, but pushing the Gaijins. Um, obviously, there's a lot more English content they're doing on their YouTube channels. They've been to the U.S. several times this year. Um, and, you know, a lot of, you know, New Japan fans who have been watching for a long time, the quote-unquote gatekeepers of New Japan, um, are really, really down on the product um, and just think that they're going in a bad direction. Personally, I, I, I do see some of the westernization i do not think it's as bad as a lot of people are are you know complaining about um and i still think um we, we kind of kind of need to sit back and just watch it or see what they're going but there are some things that are kind of questionable and some changes that i'm not the biggest fan about like what if you don't mind me asking yeah so i mean well first, so we talked about switchblade joining the bullet club I have no problem with Switchblade, Switchblade joining a group and having his own faction, but it's just the whole the whole Bullet Club storyline. I think it's been kind of drawn out. This thing, you know, the storyline started pretty much at the beginning of the year and has you know gone through different twists and turns. Sure. Um, you know, with uh, Cody, you know, going against Kota Ibushi, and then you know him Cody. and Kenny having issues. And then they they wrestled at um, Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor, and then for a long time it was like a big drought in the storyline until they came back to San Francisco and the Cody and Kenny wrestled again. So mainly it was like being the elite that was like carrying this Bullet Club feud, and then it was like on again, off again in New Japan. And to me, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't think there should be two Bullet Clubs. Like either the elite guys are the Bullet Club, and the Tongans are the Firing Squad. Or the Tongans are the Bullet Club, and Kenny and them are just the elite. Um, I just think it's been. That's the answer because, as you know, the Tongans are right, and we are all wrong, <laughs> and we don't want no, no smoke. smoke. With right. the Tongans, we are nothing compared to them. They are everything. Yes, yeah. and plus, it would make more sense that way because New Japan owns the Bullet Club rights and logos and all that stuff. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Young Bucks and those guys own the elite, so it would just, it would make sense that way to do it that way. Well, it makes more sense because Fale and Tama were They're founders right. of the Bullet Club. Yeah. Right. So at this at this point of the year, I would have I would have thought that we would have had a, a resolution of this story or just gone a different direction. Like I really feel like there was a misstep with Cody. Like I feel like Cody would have been better off. Um, being a heel and kind of splitting off and doing his own thing. But I, I understand they wanted him to be babyface for all in. He's yeah. winning the NWA title. Um, he's really good friends with the Young Bucks. and it, it probably made more sense for being the elite and Ring of Honor, which is his first priority for him to not break up with those guys. Um, but yeah, I just wish that, you know, I don't. I think it's too much, you know, NWO, black and white, NWO, Wolfpack. It's like, how long is this going to go on? Like, there well, seems to be no resolution. Yeah, it, it, not it a big started in Japan. So, for the record, the, the the actual idea was a Japanese idea that Bischoff took and Americanized. Right. But yeah. I, you know, I so I read the article and I really thought about because again, I'm not tapped into a lot of the New Japan chatter from fans as much as WWE because I don't watch New Japan like I do WWE. I really was thinking, like, man, people are upset with things the way things are going. And then I had to remember, well, yeah, there was a lot of complaining about the fact that they had a triple threat match for a title. Like, that was a big issue. 
Yeah, and, that was yeah. Well, one of the things one of the things Kenny mentioned during his post match promo was like, "How many of y'all in the crowd are watching your first triple threat match ever?" Yeah. Like, well, you know the thing, and the thing too with with Kenny, um, he's his whole title right. He said when he won the title, he was going to do different things. And Jay Kenny's Boy. always been doing different things. You know, he he brought the ladder match into New Japan. And, you know, their whole thing is to change the world. You know, he's trying to change the norm. So in that in that way, it does kind of make sense with Kenny, you know, bringing in another Western idea and bringing in a triple threat. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of controversy behind that. Like I mentioned, you know, a lot of the gatekeeper fans uh, were not fans, not fans, you know, big fans of the fact that the IWGP titles are being defended in a triple threat. I mean, there's only been two times the IWGP titles have been defended in a triple threat. So it was a yeah. very rare thing. And, you know, a lot of people weren't into it. It's interesting to me because so much of the chatter as of re- recently, I would say uh, this year has been huge for non-WWE wrestling, right? All in happened and it was a massive success. Um, Ring of Honor and New Japan together got into the, the garden, you know, at WrestleMania weekend. Like, there's, it's been a huge year for wrestling in general, but especially wrestling that is not WWE. Um, so it's interesting to me that I think the Harold May and the new, the Bushy Road people and people in the management kind of New Japan are realizing that we have to expand into, into America to really reach our apex as a company, right? But in doing that, and trying to get new fans in America or maybe convert WWE fans, I think they're starting to understand we might, we don't need to do everything that they do, but we have to kind of bridge the gap a little more, you know, because they're like, I'm a perfect example. I pay attention to what they do, but I don't watch the show all the time, but I'm more interested in New Japan right now than I have been outside of a Wrestle Kingdom time in a good little while because they're doing things that are catching my attention the Bullet Club storyline is is has caught my attention. You know, um, uh, the pop, the new guy. We'll talk about that later. But Naito bringing in a new member of Lij caught my attention. You know, they're doing more of these Western style things, and like you said, I'm sure the gatekeepers don't like it because a fan, a diehard fan, wants everything to be the way they've always had it. But I mean. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you see it differently being a diehard, but I think this is nothing but good for New Japan. I think there's a fine line you've got to walk, though, because you can't risk completely losing your identity as a company because we've seen what has happened to indie companies that have... Yeah, great example. They had a thing. They had an identity. They had they had cultivated a good thing and then they brought in Bischoff and Hogan and tried to be WWE light and the yeah. bottom. And, and, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, wrong with some of the stuff they're doing, but at the end of the day, new Japan has this identity of being, you know, a more sports based um, product. It's more focused on the entering action and the wrestling. And a lot of, you know, people, a lot of Westerners are watching it because of that. Like new Japan has a, a certain style it's a, a distinct alternative to other companies. So mm-hmm. that's what attracts fans. So it's like, don't change what your core audience likes because you're trying to expand. It's like, you should take what makes you new Japan and bring it 
to America and show those fans what you're all about. And and then you you know you can add in a little bit of westernization, a little bit of twist to hook you know fans that have never watched before or more you know WWE fans or you know other you know Impact fans by you know using familiar names, using stables, and you know there's some stuff you can do without completely changing the identity. Well, I'll tell you this: everything you said is absolutely right, and I completely agree on a hundred on a hundred counts. But I think that. Right now, we're rushing to we're rushing the rushing the gun because right now the biggest complaints are there's a triple threat match that never happened in the ladder match that happened three months ago, and there's a really really long term story that's Americanized. Like by and large, most of the company is still pure New Japan style. I mean, if I'm I I don't think. I don't. I mean, like I said, I know I don't watch every show, but I, I don't think I'm too off base in saying that. Right, and I, I don't think that New Japan has like jumped off the cliff yet. I think there are a yeah. lot of gatekeeper fans that are like, oh my god, you know, New Japan is dying. It's over. It's becoming, you know, an, another <laughs> uh, Western promotion. I don't think it's gotten to that point yet. Uh, but the possibility is there. Yeah, and you know, the triple threat. Like honestly, at the like at the end of the day. I enjoyed the triple threat. I thought it was a really good match. I know there are a lot of people who disagree with me. Um, I think I thought it did a good job. Um, some of the elements in that match, telling the story, helping advance the story between Kenny and Coda. So I wasn't as down on the triple threat as a lot of people were. I mean, at the end of the day, I thought it was a good match. You know, Dave rated it uh, four and a quarter. It was the best match on the card. Um, so. And you know, I thought it was really random, though. Well, it was kind of random, and that's part of the problem. So you know, this year they've done more of these U.S. shows, and it's kind of thrown off like their calendar and the way they booked. So normally, a King of Pro Wrestling uh, type show is a is usually a big show that's booked ahead of time. You know the card ahead of time, um, and it's set. This year, King of Pro Wrestling. They announced the card like a week before the show. Like everything was set up at Fighting Spirit Unleash. So all these US shows are kind of happening in between these normal big shows, and it's kind of throwing off the booking because they can't announce certain matches for certain shows because they have to wait for the results of certain matches to for it to make sense for the next show. Um, and so I just think they need, they need to do a better job of just booking these US shows a part of their calendar. Like you know, these US shows are coming up now. You know, just fit it in with the calendar and make it flow with the storylines. I mean, for Fighting Spirit Unleashed, they waited, you know, about a week before the show to announce all the matches. And the majority of those matches did not have implications where they why they could not have been announced. Like the main event was the Golden Lovers versus Ishii and, and uh, Okada. There was nothing that happened on the Destruction Tour that would have stopped them from announcing that ahead of time and spoiling it. They could have announced that match ahead of time. And so when it comes to King of Pro Wrestling coming so quickly after Fighting Spirit Unleashed, it gave them such little time to build that card and to get a, a solid title match. And I think to go back to your point about the complaints about there being a long-term story, I don't think that's what people are complaining about. Because New Japan has done long-term storytelling in the past. I think what people are complaining about is that as much as I love the Bullet Club storyline in a lot of ways, it has become very convoluted. And it's gotten, like, it's starting to incorporate more and more of the roster, and it's just become this, like, clusterfuck of a story 
that doesn't have a clear direction so, of where it's going. And I think that's I why people that are upset about it. Um, sure. So it's, it definitely is convoluted. But the thing I appreciate about what they've done is the subtlety. Because, so um, Dominion is when the split happened, right? No, when, the... What, what, the uh, are you talking Jong about the original jumped, split? Or the firing or are you squad about... jumped the elite. That was Dominion. No, that right? that was that was at the G one special in San Francisco. G one special, yes. Okay, the G the G one special. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, US show. So since then, other than the random, other than the matches they had in the G one, they've largely stayed apart on the shows, which is why when they fought just recently, I, I believe it was at King of Pro Wrestling, either that or Fighting Fighting Spirit and at least one of the two where G.O.D. faced the Bucks for the titles, that was the first time that they had gotten together pretty much, like, in the, on, a, on a serious level, outside of a random six-man or something. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean... I don't think you're wrong, but I think that could potentially be part of the problem. As you've been talking about it, and as, like, I've been thinking about it, I realize what the OGs lacked and the reason that they needed Switchblade to, like, join in on their side is that the OG squad lacked a main event level leader. Because Tamatanga is great, and as a tag team, G.O.D. are great. But Tamatanga is not yeah, sure, but they're champion. Also, even if he was, they wouldn't push him. So, but yeah. And I think yeah, another right. another issue, too, is... So you had the big turn at, at um, G1 Special in San Francisco. But they didn't, they didn't really follow it up that much. Like, that was like, the hottest oh, well, angle. That was the hottest angle. Everybody was talking about it. But they didn't really follow it up, you know. So they had that show, and then you roll into the G one, and you had some yep. stuff. You had some stuff with Tama. Um, he was in the same block as Kenny, and then um, Bad Luck Fale was in the same block as Hangman Page, and so there was a little bit of stuff, but there wasn't much. And then you get that big one on one match with Tama and Kenny. You know, the opportunity to you know to put Tama over, and they just had you know, and I think I think that was like a, a DQ match or a Kenny one. I forget now. But you know that was an opportunity to elevate Tama, and they did it, and so it just kind of fell flat after that. No, you're right. I, I, so yes, I, I can see that being the problem, that it's been such a slow burn, if you will. Um, I can see that being an issue, but uh, I, I appreciate the subtlety in that. Largely, you said, like you said at the beginning, you would you want it to be two separate stables. They've essentially treated it as two two separate stables, with the exception of when they come out, the splash screen says Bullet Club. Right. They've essentially treated them like they're two different people, two different groups. I mean, um, this, I I want to I want to get to Cody in a second, but I want to kind of put a bow on the Switchblade thing. One, do you think the Switchblade Okada feud is is a? Because I enjoy that. I think it's a really good feud. Do you think that that is something that can uh, be worthy of one of the main events at the Dome. And two, uh, as much as I like Switchblade joining the Bullet Club OGs or the Firing Squad, whatever you want to call them, I am a bit disappointed that we didn't get to see the inner battle of chaos because, and makes and see people take how to take sides. Goto and Ishii and Yano and Sho and Yo and so many people have to take sides now that he's gone. Everybody's still rocking with Okada. So what do you think about that? All right, so your first question, I, I do think that the direction is going to be Okada versus Jay White as one of the big matches 
um, for the Tokyo Dome. You know, that big turn with uh, Gato and now Switchblade's a part of the Bullet Club. Um, so there's a lot of momentum going into that. And I definitely think that's going to be one of the big matches. Um, now, as far as, you know, Switchblade, you know, not, you know, getting more chaos guys with him. I think the issue is, you know, you, you need some guys that are going to be babyface still. Um, and, you know, you already have like the Bullet Club OG. They needed something. They needed a spark. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, they had they added Taiji Ishimori. But, you know, they still needed something else. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of those chaos guys are going to end up in different matches come Wrestle Kingdom time. And here's the thing we've we got to think about. Like, no, none of the chaos guys came to save Okada when he was getting beat down yeah, on Monday. Yeah. So it could be yeah. that, you know, they're like, forget it. We, we're done with all this, you know, drama. So, you know, Ishii, Goto, Best Friends, or Pungi 3K, all those guys technically could be done with chaos and going off to do their own things. We have no idea because none of them came because, you know, chaos is like the worst stable when it comes to helping people when they're getting jumped. So chaos yeah. is not the worst stable. Taguchi Japan is the worst stable. Well, well, Taguchi Japan, it's like, it's kind of like a joke stable. It's not even like that's a- why they're the worst. <laughs> but, I'm, but, I'm, but this is the first time that Kyle's acknowledged they are a stable. I'm very happy he's done that much, at least. They barely count. Yeah, they're, they're like they have Kushida. They, they have Kushida and, Tush- and Tanahashi. No, that's they're not what I mean by they barely count. I love most of the people that are in Taguchi Japan, but as a stable, Taguchi Japan barely counts. You're right. You're right. Um, so I do want to talk about Cody because um, at um, I believe it was at the Fighting Spirit Elite show, Cody uh, defeated Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Championship. Yep, and then he went straight into the triple threat with that. But he is concurrently one third of the Ring of Honor six man tag champs or trios champs, whatever you want to call them. He is the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, and he is the United States Champion for I- for New Japan IWGP United States Champion. So my man is holding a lot of gold. Poor Juice. Yeah. So so number one. What's what's up with Juice? Where are we going with Juice? Because Juice or I don't believe in this word. I don't believe in it because I hate saying a wrestler organically got over because you can't organically get over if the company's not putting you in a situation to do that. So this company had a part in it. But Juice got organically over. You know, if anybody did. Um so where are we going with Juice and what is the goal with Cody going towards Wrestle Kingdom? Because he's got too much gold to just kind of be in a whatever match. So with Juice, here's one of the things I, I did not like the, with the booking this year. They've done a great job of building Juice up and having him be this underdog baby face and, you know, scratching and clawing to, you know, you know, try and get big wins. And then it all leads up to him finally getting his big win and beating Switch, Switchblade Jay uh, White and San Francisco for the U.S. title. And then they kind of just, you know, drop the ball with him. He goes into the G1 and loses the majority of his matches. Uh, and then he, he just drops the belt to Cody in his first defense. So it's like, you know, why were you building him up this whole time if you were just going to have him drop the belt so quickly? Um, so I'm, I don't really understand the storytelling there. I'm not a big fan of that. I really feel like they should have given Juice some more defenses. And, like, my idea with, with Juice is since he lost all those matches in the G1, he should have defended the belt against all those guys and have him be the underdog champion. Like every title match, you're like, oh, there's no way Juice is retaining the title after this. And then you just have him, you know, get his win back on all these guys and, 
you know, build up a little bit of a title run before switching the belt. I'm with that. I, I, I love that. I think Juice is a tremendous asset to that company. I think um, Juice has proven to the Japanese fans he belongs, which is one of the hardest things to do for a gaijin. I said it correct this time. Yeah. To do. Um, and, and so... I noted... I, yeah, oh, go so ahead. going forward with Juice, I mean, it, it looks like the next thing for him is he's, he's probably going to be in World Tag League next month, teaming with probably David Finley. Um, and then after that, I'm not sure. I mean, there are uh, there's potential of him, you know, having a rematch with Cody at the Tokyo Dome. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to I would hope that he ends up in a rematch of Cody. If not, he, I mean, he could just wind up in the, uh, you know, the never six man tag gauntlet. So I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping it's the one on one match with Cody. That would be a travesty. What would it be like Juice uh Finley and Hanari? Probably, yeah. Oh, that would be a travesty. Well, but I mean, you know, like as we've learned, we've we all grew up, so we're all from we're all American, we're all born and raised here, so we all grew up on WWE. So we know that when the big shows come, there's gonna be somebody left out. It's always somebody left out. We know this. It would suck for it to be Juice, but would you rather it be Juice or would you rather it be somebody higher on the card? Well, I mean, I don't I know. Mean, I'm used to Michael Elgin being the one who gets left well, out. Michael so Elgin's like, going to be lucky. We're just going to continue He's going to be lucky if he's on the card, not in the New Japan Rumble. <laughs> or he might, he, I'm sorry, he might fight for the never openweight title. Sometimes it amazes me how big Mike has managed to keep his contract with that company. Yeah, I mean, Michael Elgin's another guy. You want to talk about weird booking this year. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he resigned with New Japan, and you're expecting him to get a push. You know, he he beat Ishii in that first round of the New Japan Cup, and you're like, oh, okay, they're going with Elgin. And then he loses, and then he just winds up in all these, you know, undercard, six-man, eight-man, ten-man tags, and then... You know, he had, he won the never open weight title from Goto, but then dropped it right back the next show. So it's like yep. they're really when you're losing matches to Goto, you know you have done something wrong with well, your life. Well, Goto beat Suzuki, so he ain't just no trash dude. Oh uh, no, he is trash. He's just not looked like Goto's right? not trash. The issue of Goto is he he wrestles to the level of his opponent, so he's in there with a guy oh, like Suzuki. He knows he has to you know go all out. Somebody like Michael Elgin, he's probably not going to go as hard as he probably could go. And even worse, if he's wrestling a guy like Tai Chi, he's definitely going to mail it in. So he, <laughs> it's just it's just Goto. Like, he, he has the capability of having banger after banger, but he just doesn't always put forth that effort. So uh, I, 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 I want to ask you – I'm just, I'm just rapid-fire question. Sorry, yeah. man. But um, – so I was a bit disappointed about Shingo. What's the name? Shingo Takagi. Shingo Takagi. I do not doubt that this man is one of is a tremendous wrestler. I think he's. I bet he's amazing. Uh, I believe he was one of the top guys in Dragon Gate for a good while, and they needed another junior. I think he might be tremendous, but the way it was built up made. I think the fan base and a lot of fans think it was going to be somebody of real name value. Well, how did you feel about that being the uh, person? If you, 
if you watch Japanese wrestling, Shingo Takagi is a yes. Promo. You're right, but again, we're talking. We just we spent a big portion of this pod talking about the global expansion and the Westernization of New Japan. Most of us over here don't know who he is. Absolutely, but we've also been yeah, but we've also been talking about how it's important not to lose your identity. And Lij is a stable is and, and also Japanese. too we got to think about rants like. Japan is still like the the key audience, the, the target audience, the target market. So bringing in uh, so bringing in Shingo, that's a name that all Japanese uh, fans recognize. And when he came out, he got a huge pop, and everybody was into him. And it was a big deal for him to leave Dragon Gate and come to New Japan. So I was go ahead, Kyle. and well, and by the way. If you're not watching the shows and haven't been paying attention, when they are in Japan, Lij is the most yeah. overstable. Well, in Japan. look, I think it's been very, very well, uh, well publicized. My love affair for Naito and my hatred for how he's been treated all year. So, I mean, think about this. Let's, realistically, Jeremy, I, realistically, we could have this entire conversation. We could have this entire pod. We could have a two-hour podcast. Talking about everything going on in New Japan and not mention Naito once right now. That's disgusting. So Naito, he has had some questionable booking this year, but I mean he's still kind of been there. I mean, he's been having, you know, IC matches with Suzuki. He had the Jericho match. Um, you know, right now he's getting ready to have a big match with Zack Saber. So I mean he's still kind of been there. He's not been in like the heavyweight title picture or, you know, the main event. But, uh, I mean, some of his booking has been questionable. I mean, but he's still over, though. And like Kyle mentioned, LIJ, they are some of the most popular guys on the roster right now. They love Naito. They love Evil. They love Sonata. They love Hiromu. They love Bushi. And they love they love Shingo. So now he's a part of the group. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about Naito just yet. I mean, I think they know how important Naito is to, the, to their company. And I think eventually... Naito's going to find its way back into the title picture. Relevancy is a real thing in wrestling. And I feel like he's lost his relevancy. Um, That doesn't mean he's not over. Somebody in in our Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group called him. And I I know people want to make... When, when you make comparisons, people want to compare every single grain of, of hair. I realize it's not a perfect comparison. But somebody called him Finn Balor. And I think that's a perfect... That's a That's a... A perfect encapsulation of, of the situation. Finn is over as shit, but Finn hasn't done anything of note. You can't even you can't name three real feuds he's had. Right, and uh, we're we're about to have some westernization right now. We have a run in from the young boy. Oh, what's up, Josh? <laughs> oh shit, yo! So I listened to the last episode of uh, Outsiders Edge, and y'all said you had to have the young boy on. Yes. And then I, I hear y'all 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 hit up Jeremy instead. What's that about? So okay, well Jeremy will give you a different answer than I will. <laughs> but <laughs> but and, and I won't give you an answer at all. Yes, th- th- this was my decision. Hop on, jump on with the rest of the pod with us. But the reason I asked Jeremy, is- I, I can't jump on. For, I can't jump on for the rest of the podcast. I would love to. <laughs> well, if you want to, by all means. But the reason I asked Jeremy on is because we've never had him on before. And I didn't want to have uh, you on every time, and Jeremy's never on the pod. I just think that was fair to never have him on at once. Like, you know, we had the opportunity. You, you want to give him some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Jeremy's my guy, man. You know, he's Mr. Social Suplex. He's, he's my dude. I, you know, want, I, want, I want 
to give him an opportunity to talk to him and get his ideas. Because, you know, you're the re- you're my wrestling dictionary anyway. We didn't want him <laughs> to think we thought he was the Genetti. <laughs> Perfectly put. I mean, dude, being the Genetti is a great thing. He was better than Sean. <laughs> oh, oh. You're talking yeah, but his paychecks one. aren't better than Sean. Ooh. That's that's true. Gen- Genetti's not being called a wrestler in Saudi Arabia right now. <laughs> but uh, I've been listening. I've been listening to the show, and I thought I wanted to point something out. Something that I thought was interesting. How, um, you know, Rance, you were talking about you know the Western storylines, some of the things that they've been doing that really have been catching your attention, right? Mm-hmm. But then. At the same time, you're lamenting the fact that they haven't pushed Naito this year and the questionable book, questionable booking of him. And I feel like it's very coincidental that this group, this fan base, the the majority of New Japan fans, the ones who are like gatekeeperish and traditionalists and loyalists, the ones who are lamenting this uh, Bullet Club storyline, there there's a cross section where those are the same fans who want Naito to be pushed. They're the ones who don't want this Bullet Club stuff because. The, the fact that they've been pushing Kenny and the fact that they've been pushing this whole chaos and, and uh, stuff is why LIJ and why Naito specifically has had to take a back seat. Um, and I just want to get your thoughts on that because I feel like you can't have it both ways where you have Naito at the top getting pushed, but then you also have this bullet club be at the forefront. You know what I mean? Because it's like one or the yeah. other the way, the way they've had it. I think you're right, actually. It, that's, that's a great point because I feel like I feel like you're dead on in that the same people who, so I, there, there's definitely there's definitely a real issue with the gatekeepers and diehard New Japan fans, and the non-Japanese wrestlers kind of getting pushed over the Japanese mainstays. Uh, and uh, I just said just a minute ago, like when you have big shows and 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 things of this nature, somebody always gets left out, and it sucks that it happened to be Naito this year. But I think my biggest issue with the Naito situation isn't that he lost. Yes, I hate he lost the Wrestle Kingdom. That's I will hate that until life is over. But it's not just Wrestle Kingdom. He lost the Wrestle Kingdom. He had a lackluster feud with Suzuki. He got squashed by Jericho at Dominion and hasn't done anything of real note since then. So it's not just that he missed it. It's not just that he lost this match. It's that he's not even really in the forefront anymore. I mean, Evil's the guy who's going to get the title shot. From Jericho, and Evil right. is the is the lieutenant. Well, now you know and the worst wrestler in the stable. You, they're getting already. You're probably right about that. Like <laughs> I I don't know, man. I think Bushi might be more entertaining than Evil. Well, Evil has the might, Evil has everything else, but he can't go as well as Evil can. I don't think personally, anyways. But uh. Yeah. But Rance, for Naito, I think that this building into Wrestle Kingdom, honestly, I think how everything's laid out, I think it's going to be him and Jericho again at Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. and he's going to get his big win back. So I think, so he's facing Zack Sabre next month at Power Struggle, and the big story there is, you know, Sabre has beat him twice this year. So for him yeah. to beat Sabre, that's going to be a big win, and I think that's going to catapult him into facing Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom, get that big win there, and then I could see him doing winning new japan cup or doing something big at msg yeah i think think my problem and this is something that's interesting i've loved the angles that they've ran with the bullet club with kenny getting jumped by cody and the tongans i loved that stuff but i have not loved the follow-up to it yeah it's the same thing with naito um 
I think that Naito losing at Wrestle Kingdom was the right way to go, but the follow-up to it has been lackluster. And so I think some of the booking, I don't think necessarily the booking decisions in and of themselves have been bad, but the follow-up and the long-term build has been the problem. I can accept that. I I, I can definitely accept that because I, I, can, I acknowledge that my issue with Naito losing at Wrestle Kingdom is a personal one because he was my... I, you could, I guess he still is my favorite New Japan wrestler, but I could accept the story if he did something of note or, you know what I'm saying, or like you said, the follow-up worked. It just hasn't. Um, but I, I, I really, I want to go back to what you were saying about the whole Bullet Club OG thing and the kind of dichotomy between the traditional Japanese guys and these new school guys. Do you think that the roster has a problem? Like you know, cause and I, let me let me let me kind of exp- expound on that a bit more. I realize it's a work, but the whole Tanahashi Kenny feud has been built around you're new school doing different things. I'm old school Japan. You're coming in here wrestling a different style that isn't what we do, and you know what I'm saying. And Kenny's like you're old, you're antiquated. I'm new. So do you think that matched with Harold May and the Westernization and the global expansion that the old that like the traditional Japanese wrestlers may have a problem with some of the new new school guys and the new school I- ideas, and not just the fans. Well, you know this, this you know a few days ago, Taichi put out a tweet talking about Gaijin's getting more opportunities than the Japanese talent. So I don't know if that was him shooting or setting up his story, like his match with Will Osprey, but I wouldn't be surprised. If there are some you know mainstays Japanese guys that are kind of frustrated with Gaijin's being pushed to the forefront right now. Well, I mean, you know, we talk about Kenny Omega and how dynamic he is, and he's everything that he's acclaimed to be, absolutely. But he talks about wanting to change the style, change the world, and bring something new to to wrestling. But it's like, look who got this guy over, and look who his dance partners are. Who are his best dance partners? Okada, Naito, Ishii, Ishii. Goto, Abushi, literally it's the Japanese talent. Those are the guys who are getting him over and they all wrestle that style that he, that he's saying is so that like we're so entrenched in as diehard fans. We're like, he was saying like we've become like zombies or we're brainwashed, but it's like, nah, dude, you wrestle that style. When I see you wrestle American guys like Cody or, you know, what have you, it's not the same caliber, the same level. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like he should pick a side and like, I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, how much can you change wrestling at this point anyways? Like guys are doing everything that there is to do. It's like, what, what does he want to, what does he want to yeah. change to begin with? You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like you're already, you're already the best wrestler in the world, arguably speaking. So I mean like what, what needs to change? Like you're putting on, you know, five-star match after five-star match, six-star match, seven-star match. So I mean, what are you, what are you trying to do different? And, and, and I think, uh, I'm gonna let Kyle jump in here in a second, but I think, uh, Kenny is such a unique situation. In, in the country of Japan because most of these gaijins who are in that company fly in to do their bid and then they go on somewhere else. Kenny lives in Japan. Kenny learned mm-hmm. the language of Japan. Kenny is essentially with a Japanese person. You know, so like he has truly entrenched himself in Japanese culture unlike a I think couple of them. Yeah, right? And unlike uh, except unlike a lot of the other guys. I mean, the Bucks are close, but the Bucks still wrestle 
they're wrestled 20 dates in a, a year. They're wrestling 20 dates a month. They're wrestling 15 yeah. of them in America. So, you know, but Kenny, if Kenny comes to America, it's a big deal because he is a Japanese guy. So that's why I found it interesting that Tanahashi took took issue with Kenny, of all people, because Kenny's the most Americanized, the Jap- most Japanese, Japanese eyes, whatever the word I want to use, <laughs> American or Canadian, really out there. Say, Canadian, bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, for my money, my favorite Gaijin right now is uh, Zach Saber Time. <laughs> yes, yes. Tap out. Mission Master. Come <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's, that's my favorite Gaijin. Evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Taka's promo before that match was, or before the jump zone was great. Everything yes. isn't evil. Just tap <laughs> out. <laughs> that's- yes, I, I love Taka and Saber together. Zack Saber's got the secret sauce. Who'd have guessed? That all these years later, Taka Michinoku was the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to show you, man. Reinvent yourself, bro. You never know. I mean, Kai and Tai always could make chicken sh- uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. I um, I'm I'm gonna go here in a moment, but um, I just wanted to point out, you know, this the interesting thing with this feud between Kenny and um, Tanahashi. Um, I don't know that I necessarily love that they started building it before they even had their deciding matches to set up the match. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that being said, the stuff that they've said, I mean, we kind of touched on this on our last episode of keeping a strong style, but we didn't really delve into it. The fact that there's such heavy overtones of a modern day Austin and Brett or even Sean and Brett sort of dynamic where you have Kenny, who's the most dynamic performer, you know, kind of filling that Sean role. And then you have Tanahashi, who's the best storyteller in the entire company. He stands for the, you know, the traditional values, um, you know, and he's he's the storyteller and like he's this old guard kind of like Brett or or the fact that, you know, Omega wants to bring change and a different attitude. And and, you know, and he does kind of not saying he's stone cold, but in, in a sense, does fill that new generation role that that stone cold filled. And uh, it's very, very interesting how they've kind of um, dived into that. And I'm hoping that that's the way that the the storytelling goes as they continue this feud. Because right now, I don't know necessarily how much hype there is. I think for diehards, there's hype. But I don't know how much anticipation there is really. But I feel like they have a lot a lot of room where if they decide to go that route, they could really make this into something like that can last generations, lifetimes. We could be talking about this 10 years from now. You know what I mean? I'm so glad you brought that up. Because uh, one of the things I told Jeremy I wanted him to do was to sell me, the casual fan, on why I should care about Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. Because right now, I I know it'll be a great match. I understand that. I don't care right now. Well, Well, before he starts... Thank you guys for letting me do a Gato run-in. Next time, call the big star. And uh, I'll talk to you guys again later. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. But, yeah, so Omega Tanahashi, here's the thing. The, the whole westernization kind of even even plays into this matchup. So you have Kenny Omega. He, you know, finally wins the IWGP title. 
You know, he's trying to change the world. A lot of his ideas are, you know, Western ideas. He wants to do more triple threat matches. He wants to involve, you know, more ladders, more Western style, you know, stuff. So he's kind of represents this new change that's kind of happening in New Japan. And then you have Tanahashi, the guy that literally saved New Japan from the dark days. Uh, the guy that, you know, respects tradition. He came through the dojo, uh, you know, multi-time IWGP champions. The fans still love him. And you just have these two clashing, you know, ideologies. And, you know, Tanahashi, you know, he, he's, you know, criticized the way Omega wrestles. And Omega criticized the way Tanahashi wrestles. So you have these two different philosophies and how they both think things should be in New Japan. You know, Tanahashi kind of rep- represents the gatekeepers, and you know, mm-hmm. New Japan needs to stay the way it is and how it's always been. And then you have Kenny representing, you know, the Westernization, you know, Harold May, if you want to say, and bringing in new ideas and wanting to expand. So you're just having these two clashing, you know, ideologies come together. And, you know, who who is the better wrestler? Who does have the better, you know, mindset on what New Japan should be? You know, it's almost like a battle for the future of the company. If Kenny wins, then it's almost like New Japan is going to go in the more Western direction. But if Tanahashi wins, then things are going to start going back to the way they were and the way the, the, the diehard New Japans want things to be. I think it's a good example of how lately wrestling has gone meta. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, they're, they're using, you know, outside storytelling elements and bring it into this story. So, and not to mention, I mean, go ahead. These these guys, I mean, they're two of the best, you know, wrestlers on the roster right now. So, besides the story, I mean, I mean, this is going to be a phenomenal match. And the fact that this match, they they haven't wrestled each other one on one. I think it's been like two or three years since they've had a one on one match. So this match has been saved. It's been protected. It it feels fresh. So there's just so many elements going into it. It's going to make it a great main event. So that's definitely the one constant. I think we all know that we're in for something that's going to be a spectacle in rank. But my question to you is, um, what you just said sold me, but have they said that on TV? I, I don't think they have come out directly and said that. I think it, they kind of want you to infer that, and so they've been doing a lot of you know media promos with each other, you know, bashing each other, the way they wrestle, you know, Tanahashi, and even Okada has gotten into this saying, you know, when New Japan comes to America, they need to present a full New Japan show and not try to, you know, have all these guys on here and make it, you know, a Western version. Um, Can I say that I appreciate that criticism? Because when I watch some of the American shows, I'm just like, yo, I love SCU. Don't get me wrong. But why the fuck is SCU? On my new Japan Right, show. so yeah, there was a lot of criticism about Fighting Spirit Unleashed. You know, you had SCU on there. You had Flip Gordon, uh, Chris Sabin, ACH, um, you know, Jeff Cobb. I can even let those three slide, though, because at least those three I'll see in Super Juniors. We'd be seeing, like, if it wasn't for the fact that they're both on the Jericho Cruise, Flip and Marty would have probably been a team for Junior right. Tag League, like... I can accept those guys because at least they're there sometimes. They're associated with the like, right. But like Jeff Cobb, SCU, some of those other guys, I'm just like, y'all are never actually here. You're just here because right. we're in the States. 
And so, um, you know, and I think so they're doing a lot of storytelling with these interviews that they're doing, um, you know, that they had the press conference the other day. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm sure there was stuff in the press conference of stuff they said going back and forth. And as we build into Wrestle Kingdom, you know, there's going to be they're going to be facing each other in tag matches and there's going to be more promos. And I think more and more that whole thing that I explained to you is going to come out with the two battling uh, philosophies, you know, the westernization versus traditional traditionalist. So I think it's going to come out. I mean, it's only October right now, and this match is not until January. Yeah. And, I, and I think two rants, more of the diehard fans like me, we're, we're watching all of like the English promos they put up. We're watching the press conferences. We're, wa- we're hearing all the interviews. So we're kind of picking up more of that story. As far as a casual person that's not watching everything, they might miss that initially. And speaking of that, can I say that if I have one enduring criticism of New Japan right now, as they continue to make their efforts to do this big expansion, if I'm watching the shows in the English commentary, and I know you've got an English fucking YouTube channel where you put English subtitles on all your shit, why am I still watching these promos in characters? I can't read that shit. Oh, you're you're talking about like the, uh, the promo videos, the VTRs? Yeah, like, when I watch them on the actual shows, it frustrates me because I've seen the English language version, and I'm like, I'm watching the English language commentary. Don't you think I also want the English subtitled version of this video package? Right. I I think it might be a technology issue. Maybe they haven't figured out how to... Oh, absolutely. It's definitely a growing pains thing, and it's a nitpicky thing to be harping on, but it does frustrate me sometimes. I mean, it's, it's a big deal to somebody who wants to engage in a company that's not Americanized. You you want to enjoy something, but you want to be able to understand what the hell right. is going on. Like, like you, so, and we here on the edge, I, I, I want to continue to always reiterate, we support what we want to watch. I have signed up for the past three years, three or four years, every year in December, through December through February, March, whatever, to watch Wrestle Kingdom. I watch it every year. I watch. I try to watch it live. If I can, I catch when I do. But I buy it every year because I support it. I want to see it. I, I enjoy it. And much like Kyle just said, one of my annoyances is before the big matches, they have those really, really intricate promo videos. I don't understand anything that's going on. Yeah. I would love to get hype with the rest of the crowd. And watching, and I understand you can't in live time dub a uh, English voice, but you could give me, you know, on the on the English feed, you could give me the subtitles. Yeah, and that, and I guess like that hasn't been as a big deal for me. Like I definitely would like to have like an English version of the promo videos, but you know, when I first started watching New Japan, majority of the, the shows were Japanese commentary. So I've kind of gotten used to like seeing the Japanese promo video. So that hasn't been a huge deal for me, but I would like them to eventually, you know, if you're watching the English feed, they somehow find a way to transition to the English version of the promo video. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I'd be remiss and Kyle would be upset with me if I didn't ask what's the deal with Kota. Where are we going with Kota Ibushi? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff with Kota Ibushi. And, you know, a lot of people, I th- they want him to be higher up on the card than he is. And there are a lot of people that are frustrated that he's kind of attached to Kenny Omega and can't seem to do anything that's not involving Kenny. Uh, 
Gotta sign a contract. Right. Yeah. To get yeah. Good. Yeah. The main issue. <laughs> yeah. Main issue is he re- he refuses to sign a contract. So there's only so far you can push him. Uh, but the direction that looks like, it looks like they're going. Um, you know, in the destruction tours in September, they they teased a one on one match with Osprey and Ibushi, and a lot of people are wondering like how would that happen? Well, Osprey pinned. Tai Chi in a six-man tag on King of Pro Wrestling, which has earned him a shot at the Never Openweight title. So next month at Power Struggle, Osprey will be challenging Tai Chi. And so what I think is going to happen is Osprey is going to beat Tai Chi, um, win the Never Openweight title, and then challenge Ibushi for the Never, you know, for him to be the ma- or Ibushi come out and challenge him, and that sets up Osprey versus Ibushi at, at Wrestle Kingdom for the Never Openweight title. Talk about show stealing match. Yeah, that's good. my god for for and for, and for that belt. My god, <laughs> that belt outkicked its coverage. If the Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> matchup is Will Ospreay versus Cody, yeah. That so essentially that belt is Jermaine Dupri, <laughs> and that match <laughs> is Janet Jackson. <laughs> and you're just like, how did that get that right? And it, and it's one of those things with the, with the yeah. never belt. It, it's the guy who makes the belt, and not the belt who makes the guy. Uh, so, you know, a guy like Tai Chi who has a belt right now, he's not that great. So it kind of brings down the value of the Never title. But if you have guys like Osprey and Ibushi holding it, that definitely brings the value up the title. And I know uh, there are some people who want Ibushi to be in the Wrestle Kingdom main event or the semi-main event this year um, and think that, that and I think it's a step down for him. But if you look back at his last few Wrestle Kingdoms, this, this Never Openweight title match is actually a step up for him. So if you look back at Wrestle Kingdom right. 12, he had a singles match with Cody that was earlier on in the card. Wrestle Kingdom 11, he was under a mask as um, Tiger Mask W facing ACH under a mask as Tiger the Dark. Then you go to Wrestle Kingdom 10, he wasn't on the card at all. So the last three Wrestle Kingdoms, he hasn't had the best position or wasn't there at all. So this never open weight title match is usually like the sixth or seventh match on the card. So he's deep on the card. He has a title match. So it is kind of an elevated position from the last few Wrestle Kingdoms. Can I? Uh, I I I want to I want to kind of go off on a tangent real quick. Go ahead. Uh, Tama Tonga just tweeted out some tweets concerning what we just talked about with the global expansion and the uh, article that came out today, and it's relevant to what we've been talking about. I want to read them real quick to you if you don't mind. Go ahead. I anxiously await these tweets. Funny reading that a lot of foreign performers are complaining that the work atmosphere not being quote-unquote fun in New Japan. What a load of shit. Plenty of great talents out there that would be grateful to have an opportunity to work in New Japan pro wrestling. Who fed you those lies, Meltzer? New president and management helping the company gain sponsorship with an international expansion. What a time to be part of New Japan. Traveling, big money, company growing. Yeah, bitch. Us foreigners that have been here and worked our asses off are very proud of how far we've come. So to the foreigner or foreigners complaining to Dave Meltzer uh, that they are not having fun, you can get the fuck out. GTFO. I've never in my career here in New Japan have ever heard of a Japanese wrestler complaining about the work atmosphere not being fun in New Japan. Get the fuck out of here. What that tells me is that it's a real thing. I feel it's real. And I realize I could be worked. I, I, I completely acknowledge that I could be worked right now, but I think there might be a real issue between the 
traditional Japanese wrestlers and the and the gaijins. Yeah, I mean it's it's completely possible. And the, and the one thing that you know, young boy, young boy, and I were talking about. You know, we get all these you know backstage reports and Dave reports all this stuff, but at the end of the day, we're not backstage. Dave is not backstage. We don't know a hundred percent what's really happening backstage. We don't know who the wrestlers are, if there are anybody, if there is anybody that's actually complaining. So that's the one kind of thing you got to hold on to. But there, it is possible that there could be an issue. And you know, Tamatanga, he's a very controversial guy, and will do whatever it, it takes to you know keep his name relevant and to kind of you know stir the straw. And so with, with him hearing what Meltzer reported, that that's an easy topic for him to jump in on. Kyle? I mean, I don't really know what to make of anything that Tamatanga does because Tamatanga does whatever the fuck he wants because he is the road dog of his stable. And I do not mean that in an insulting way. A lot of people will think that's an insult. That is not a fucking insult. Road dog and badass Billy Gunn were the top merchandise sellers during the height of the DX era. So, like, that is not a fucking insult at all. I do find it funny that he's kind of like sticking up for Harold May when like on camera, he's been kind of like disrespecting him, throwing the titles down and kind of being like exactly. this like renegade character. So that, that's why I feel it's real. So that that can play into the fact that, you know, there is some kind of issue here. He and plays then, that character, but he, he and the Tongans in general come off to me as through and through company men. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. They, like, they have they have jobs for lives if they want to. Well, and that's what I mean though. Like they like yeah on screen he does that whole like antagonizing towards my shit and like thrusting his crotch at the camera and all that shit. Like yeah he does that, but they're company guys. Like those tweets came off to me as like I've been the foreigner backstage for like a decade now. And if you've got a problem with the way things are going when we're making more money than we were 10 years ago, you can kiss my ass. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if you have anything else, New Japan. I want to talk. One more, I have one more thing I wanted to talk to uh, you guys about. Uh, and Kyle, if you have anything, please, my brother, jump in. But uh, let's talk juniors for a second. Where are we going? Kushida just beat Marty Skrull to uh, win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship for, what, like the fifth time? Fourth time? I think sixth time. Sixth time yeah. And sixth. praise be yeah. Kushida. More Kushida, please. Thank you. We here at The Edge are huge Kushida fans. We here at The Edge believe Kushida could actually be a top guy in the heavyweight division. Oh, yeah. and I, He's so I agree with that. I love Kushida. And this is a guy, you know, Kushida wrestles, wrestles in Ring of Honor. He does a lot of stuff in Rev Pro in the U.K., he go, he'll go to Mexico, and he wrestles heavyweight division when he's in those companies, and he's a phenomenal wrestler. I mean, they call him the ace of the juniors. He's like the mini Tanahashi of the junior division, and at the end of the day, he's going to go down as one of the greatest juniors of all time. I mean, he's right underneath Jushin Thunder Liger with title reigns, so he's definitely um, an impressive guy. It, it just it stinks the way they book him sometimes. You know, either they, they yeah. completely push him or they kind of just forget about him. Forget about and, yeah, and he, yep, and he even mentions it in his backstage promos. He'll, he'll say, you know, I feel like I haven't done anything this year. Like, I really need to do something this year. Uh, so I was happy to see, you know, Kushida winning uh, the junior title, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with him. 
the junior title picture has is is not has not really been as clear as what's going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom with you know Kushida winning the belt. Um, my guess would be uh, possibly Kaiji Ishimori being the guy to challenge him at Wrestle Kingdom. It, it's also possible that they do another multi man match like they did last year, like a Fatal Four Way or a Triple Threat. Um, right. So well, Nuchu. New Japan doesn't do this often, but Kushida winning feels hella transitional. Well, I but it's it's also a desperation move because nobody expected Hiromu to break his neck so badly yeah. that he's gonna miss a year of action. Right. Like yes, it feels transitional, but that's because it was a completely blindside transition forced what, on them by a really tragic situation. Sure, but but real quick, Jeremy and Kyle, what I mean is, if Skrull would have won the belt, I can see Skrull holding it for like five, six, seven more months. I can legit, I don't legitimately don't see Kushida holding this until Wrestle Kingdom, and I know that's dumb as hell, but it feels mad. It this feels almost like, um, this well, this is a terrible that that would be a terrible example. I didn't want to go there. Well, I, before I was, say, I was gonna say it feels like when Ray won the title when Punk left. And then he faced Cena later on that night and lost. <laughs> like that's that's way well, too far. But it feels like uh, at the what's the next show? Yeah. Power struggle. It's he's it's gone. He's losing it. Well, well. Before I let Jeremy chime in, because like he's definitely the expert. I, I'm a consistent watcher, but I cede expert status to uh, Jeremy for sure. Um, I don't think it feels as transitional as you might think because like. The junior situation is not as stable at the championship level as you might think. Like, you're right. Osprey is probably going to face Tai Chi. Oh, he is facing Tai Chi, and he's probably going to win the Never title. And there have been rumors about, you know, him maybe going heavyweight in the not too distant future. Which he better Um, not go heavyweight before Kushida does. I'm just saying. Well, then there's Marty, and, you know, Marty just lost the title. Where to Hiromu, so like, no, he didn't. He lost the title to Osprey, but either way, Marty just lost the title after having it for quite a while. So I didn't really expect him to win it. Win it, um, and then outside of those four, outside of Kushida, Osprey, and Marty, you got Ishimori. crickets. Ishimori. Well, you got Ishimori, but Ishimori is still newer. Sure. To the junior division. Like, he came back as Bone Soldier. So, like, there's not a lot of guys in the singles division that are established and that are just, like, ready to take the belt that are in that position right now. I don't think. Yeah, anymore. I mean, I definitely think with all the guys I had to choose from, Kushida was probably the best choice. And, you know, I don't think it's going to – I mean, I, I can see Kushida holding it for a while, but I'm not quite sure what the plan is. So as of right now, uh, Kushida he's gonna he's gonna be in the Super Junior Tag League that starts on the 16th of this month. He's teaming up with uh, Chris Sabin, and so right now it doesn't look like with him being in that tournament, he's probably not gonna defend the title at Power Struggle because the finals of this tag league will happen at Power Struggle, and so kayfabe wise, you know he's gonna want to win this tournament and would would hope to be in the finals at Power Struggle. Now they they could set the, set something up like if his team doesn't win, if somebody pins him in the tournament, maybe he defends against them at Power Struggle, but I'm not sure how likely that's going to be. 
And then after uh, Power Struggle, we have the, the heavyweight tag tournament, the World Tag League. And so there probably won't be a junior title defense on any of those shows either. So right now, it looks pretty good for Kushida making it into Wrestle Kingdom as a champion. Well, and okay, and that that would be great because, again, we're, I'm a Kushida fan. And Kushida and Ishimori, a possible match between those two would be a hell of a match. I would enjoy the hell out of that. So I'd be very, very happy to see that. It's just they don't they don't treat Kushida well, so it's kind of hard to to get built up and believe that this is gonna be this is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they weren't so short on junior tags, I'd be ready for Rapongi 3K to split up so that show could get pushed. A oh lot yeah, of people, I mean, a lot of people thought Show was gonna be the guy to join Lij. Yeah, there definitely there was rumor of both either Show or Yo joining Lij. Uh, but when you think about it, it just, it just didn't really make sense since Rapungi 3K was in the match. It didn't make sense, but that would be the ultimate fuck you to Rocky Romero to not only turn on his stable, but to join LIJ to team up with Bushi. Yeah, Rocky hates Bushi. <laughs> that would be the ultimate fuck you to Rocky. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, let's, I mean, if you don't have anything else you want to talk about New Japan, Kyle, let's, I want to put a bow on it. and kind I of- have one other question I want to ask, and this is just a straight up opinion question. Um, I'm of the opinion that they need to just do away with the intercontinental belt. Cause Jericho ain't ever there any fucking way. <laughs> and, um, and they've been like pushing the U S title to try to like make it mean something. And I think that they have too many belts. So agree or disagree that they should get rid of one of those two. Uh, I agree. I, I don't, I don't think I don't, I was kind of against them even creating the U S title. I don't think they needed another title. And I mean, you know, a lot of the reports are the whole reason why they haven't tried to get Jericho back more is because they wanted to keep the IC title off TV because they felt like they had too many titles. Um, so uh, at, at this point, I would consider maybe doing a unification of the IC and US titles. Either that or just letting the title be retired, like yeah. one or the other, because I'm with you, like too many mid-card belts. However, oh. though, with, with them doing more shows and more shows in the u.s they could use that belt as as a if they put it on the right guy as another a belt that could main event shows and well, not having to be the world title match the thought process behind it i believe is much like nxt has a nxt champion a uk champ and then a north american champ so essentially their u.s shows they don't have to fly kenny in they essentially this this is the goal could main event those shows with the u.s guy and then they could go to refro and essentially main event those shows with the ic guy i think the idea is wonderful but they have not put it into any good uh they have not utilized it well at all but i like the idea of it all right cool that was my only other question so we can transition out however you'd like to do so um well yeah i want the last thing i I guess to kind of put a bow on all of this uh i want you guys to give me uh as best as you can i'm sure that you don't have to give me a full 12 card 12 match card but what what do you think is the uh, wrestle kingdom card gonna look like like we know we know one match for sure we know it's gonna be kenny and and kenny and tanahashi because uh tanahashi has i don't think he has any more briefcase matches 
No. Okay. And I'm, uh, I think we can almost guarantee that's going to be Switchblade and Okada. Yeah. And so along with those, I think we're going to get Osprey Abushi for the Never Openweight title. Um, I think we're going to get Naito versus Jericho. I think so we're going to... Title. Well, maybe or maybe not because it oh, could... Oh, Evil could win. Right, because if Evil wins the belt, I see them doing uh, Evil versus Zack Sabre Jr. Because that was a match that um, went no contest when Jericho jumped Evil. And they've been building a story with Evil not being able to beat Sabre. So I could see them doing an IC title match, Evil versus Sabre, or the IC title match, Naito and Jericho. I think the belt can go in either match, but I think they're still going to do both of those one-on-one matches regardless where the belt is. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, we'll probably have some, you know, a never six-man tag gauntlet with a bunch of six-man teams. Um, for the the IWGP tag title match, uh, it's going to be G.O.D. against whoever the World Tag League winners are. And right Bucks now, maybe? I'm trying to th- – what you say? The Bucks maybe? You think then they had the rematch? Uh, it could be the Bucks, but the Bucks are not in World Tag League this year. So if the Bucks are oh. end up in the match, it would be like a triple or three way tag match. Um, I, I see. I can see him facing KES. It could be KES, or or it could uh, oh, it can't be Sonata, Evil and Sonata. Son- Evil's in the match. Um, yeah, probably probably KES at this point. Okay. Yeah, they're short on tag teams. Yeah, and then for the uh, for the junior tag champs, I think um, Rapungi 3K will end up winning the junior tag league and facing Desperado and Kanemaru to finally beat those guys and get their their belts back. And of course, I mean, Kyle, do you, what do you think? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you got, you got I was, was going to say, and of course, there's going to be like the New Japan Rumble. Right. Uh, which Cheeseburger is probably going to win finally this year after like three years of trying. <laughs> the crowd will go banana pancakes if Cheeseburger wins that match. They love them some Cheeseburger in Japan. What, what do you think, Kyle? You, do you agree with that card? And and then I, I mean, then... I agree with most of those matches. Um, aside from that, I think we'll get a U.S. title match. Um, Cody and Juice? I think it'll be Cody versus... You know they could take juice. They could take Juice back and do Cody versus Juice. They could do. Um, honestly, that's the only one that really makes sense to me is them taking that back because I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right, with that and belt. another another factor with Cody is the NWA title. So if Cody beats Aldis in a couple weeks and keeps the belt, I could see New Japan wanting the NWA title to be defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh yeah, I could see that. And, yeah. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Isn't there a tradition now of because of the working relationship, the Ring of Honor belt is defended? Uh, so, sometimes. Some sometimes, but like Jay Lethal's not exactly got to put on the card. Guy. But I mean, Jay Lethal, he has. I think I think it was WrestleMania Kingdom ten or eleven. He defended the ROH title, and not every year, but most years that uh, since the partnership, they've had the Ring of Honor title defended. And MSG is coming up, so it, it's probably possible that Jay Lethal, who, whoever the current champion is at Wrestle Kingdom time, will defend the belt at the Dome. If it's Jay Lethal, I just need him to get rid of the lethal injection because I fucking yeah, hate that. Yeah, I don't like that movie either. 
Oh, God, it always looks so So bad. if you hate Jay Lethal's Lethal Injection, then you hate the Stormbreaker, right? Whatever, uh, I am, I am not it. generally a fan of any kind of springboard move. Okay. Because, or not, not necessarily springboard, but like those back handspring moves. Yeah. Because they always look so fucking terrible on the setup. Like it exposes how fake wrestling is. You just stand there and look at the guy doing a full handspring. Right. Like, yeah. And then when he comes back, you just jump in the air miraculously so that he can hit the cutter. Yeah, no, would you? And I'm just like, no, this move sucks. The Oz Cutter sucks. They both need Oz to get Cutter. rid of them. That's the name of the move. You're right. Stormbreaker is the new move. Yeah, the, the legit one. The That's next breaker the gimmick, one. yeah. I will tell you this. I, I got to tell you, Jeremy. I'm going to buy Breast Kingdom regardless. But if that's the card, that's a damn good card. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I don't, I don't get why a lot of fans are complaining about the direction. I'm like, Wrestle Kingdom looks great. But, Jeremy, <laughs> I want New Japan to be the way it's always been. And they're not catering to my interests anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't get it. Like, oh. you, can, you can have your criticisms, but, like, Wrestle Kingdom 13 looks amazing based off the stories they're telling. So... I, I think a big part of it is, and again, this is just rants. I can't speak for anybody else. A big part of it was the initial disappointment of Tanahashi and Okada I and mean Omega. And again, no disrespect to the ace because I think he's tremendous. But number one, we all wanted Kenny and Kota. I think that's what most of us wanted. We know why, but I think most of us wanted. And number two, I just got to be honest here. As tremendous as the ace is, as legendary as he is, you said it perfectly. He saved him from the dark days and all this. He's a seven-time IWGP champ. Like, at this point, I think a lot of us wrestling fans, much like we're, the complaints are in WWE, like, as good as you are, sometimes when you're at the top of that long, you kind of want to see something new. And Tanahashi fighting for a world title at the Dome is almost a guarantee every year. Has been. For six, seven years, I realize the U.S. title isn't is, the U.S. title isn't necessarily a world title, but you know I'm, you get you get my drift, right? So, and again, I'm just speaking for rants. Like I know you feel probably feel differently. I think Kyle kind of is on my side a little bit, but I no disrespect to Tanahashi, I just really was interested in seeing something different. Well, you know, Tanahashi's actually kind of been out of the title picture for a little bit. So, I mean, this past Wrestle Kingdom, he wrestled, um, you know, Jay White. In a non-title match, the year before that, I believe he was in the Intercontinental Title match, uh, and the year before that. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. If excuse me, yeah, I'll, let me flip it for you. I know that I, again, I know they're not the same. I understand that, but in the context of what I'm trying to say, I think you'll understand my point. If Cena won the Rumble and faced AJ or Roman, whoever's the world champ that he chooses, everybody would say, man, Cena's been here forever. I know 16 title reigns is way different than seven, but seven IWGP heavyweight championship reigns is akin to 16 WWE title reigns. But can I, can I tell you why I think there's more backlash to the Tanahashi win and it's not necessarily from that perspective? Sure. I think that the real backlash is in a perfect world, Kota Ibushi would have won the G1 
and we'd have done Kenny versus Kota one-on-one, the Golden Lovers face-off at Wrestle Kingdom. And But Kota's stubborn ass won't sign a fucking contract, and so they weren't going to go with that. And I, But I think that's why we're salty, sure. because that's the best story. And that would have been the rubber match. Yeah, and like it's like the story writes itself, it's so perfect. So like that's what everybody wanted, but we can't get that because Coda won't sign a fucking contract. Yeah, and you know, I, and I, I, can, I can understand, you know, yes, Tanahashi has been multiple-time champion. You kind of want to see something different, something new. But at the same time, Tanahashi is the the guy they need to tell this story of like the westernization versus traditionalists. And there's like no better person to like represent like their traditional New Japan style than the guy that saved the company yeah. and the guy that's you know so beloved by the crowd than Tanahashi. Well, that story. So I, I I openly acknowledge that the story you just explained to me and the way you you pitched it to me, I'm with it now. Like I'm not against it now, but I need to see this on TV and not yeah. just on keeping a strong style. This needs right. to be the actual build to the match because I always felt in the back of my mind that they just did this so Kenny they can put over kick they can put Kenny over Tanahashi and and prove to the whole world that Kenny's a, the true top guy of New Japan now. He just right. had to run the gamut. But at least they, now I have a reason to want to see that. Right. But however, I still think I mean it, yeah, I'm, I'm as of right now. I'm probably I'm more in favor of Kenny probably retaining, but I still think there's a very good chance of Tanahashi winning the belt. Well, that that'd be a hell of a move. And I and I think if they did that, then they would do Tanahashi versus Okada at MSG. I think if they did that, then well, I Kenny, think Kenny Omega would leaving anyway. But that's another conversation. Else. Yeah. So what do you follow? What do you follow that? By the way, how, do you think the do you think the elite? Yeah, yeah you how, know yeah. how the yeah. feel. How, how do I, I feel about the elite guys leaving? Yeah, do you think they are leaving? And and if they do leave, if they, do you think yeah. they're leaving? And if they do leave, how would you feel as a diehard New Japan guy? So if they do leave as a New Japan fan, like yes, I'm going to miss them in New Japan. But you know, I still watch WWE and I watch NXT and I watch th- those those shows, so I'm going to see them. It's just I I hope that they would be booked correctly and you know sure. properly utilized in whatever show they end up on. Um, and I know at the end of the day, it's a better payday, bigger exposure than they already have, and ultimately it would be good for their careers. Um, you know, I would miss them in New Japan, but you know, I'd be happy to support them in WWE. But honestly, I do not think they're going right now. With with the momentum of All In, with all the money they're making um, through Hot Topic, Pro Wrestling Tees, and just, you know, they're coming out with their own children's books and all this stuff. Like, those guys are, like, such, you know, almost like entrepreneur-like spirit. Like, they're kind of doing their own thing. And I, I find it really hard for them to just kind of, like, drop this, like, freedom and drop this like kingdom they've kind of built over the last few years to go to wwe um now i'm not sure that they're gonna re-sign with new japan ring of honor either Uh, i actually think we might see something weird where they kind of like not create a, a new promotion but like they're kind of like this group that multiple promotions can kind of book 
So like they're kind of like their own like agency kind of thing. And so you want us like, you know, you, you got to sign a contract to get all of us to show up at your certain promotion and we can work multiple promotions. So they do like Cody did the year after he left WWE. Yeah, kind, yeah, kind of. Like I could see them like, yeah, working Ring of Honor, working Impact, working New Japan, you know, working all these kind of like top companies uh, and not being tied down to an exclusive and being more controlling of their dates, you know, doing more all in type shows and kind of going in that direction. I can't dispute any of that. And I'm not going to say that any of that doesn't make sense or is wrong because all of that is perfectly plausible. The only thing I will say is if WWE wants them badly enough, WWE can match whatever the fuck they're making on that merch and whatever the fuck they're making on all of these other ventures and things that they're doing. Money is not an issue for a billion dollar company. They can match that. So everything you're saying about the creative freedom, I totally get that. If they're like, nah, I have too much freedom to do whatever I want to do and I want to write these books and we want to do more of our own shows and we want to continue to have this autonomy, totally understand that. But like... Let's not pretend that money is going right. to be the fact. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, Vince, he can back the, the Brink truck up, sign all those guys, and bring them in. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do go. I mean, I'm sure they're all going to get offered a ton, ton of money that would be kind of ridiculous to turn down. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do go, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, end up staying or doing their own thing. Oh, absolutely. No, that makes total sense. Is is this the biggest possible free agency since uh, since uh, Razor and Diesel? Do you think? Probably, yeah. I mean, especially because you know they've said that they're all sticking together, so and all their contracts are running up at the same time. So that would potentially them be bringing in Kenny, Young Bucks, Cody, Skrull, and Hangman Page all at the same time. Well, and based on just the success of All In alone, like. That show sold out and sold a lot of pay-per-views. And that in and of itself, I think, makes those guys the biggest free agents since then. Right. And and somebody somebody listening is going to say, well, you know, uh, what about AJ and Shinsuke? Nobody was checking for AJ and Shinsuke the way they are, these guys. Nope. AJ was still like, we all knew about AJ because, like, the IWC Ben singing them praises. But, like... yeah. Well, I think the thing with AJ and Nakamura, yes, those are big free agent signings, but it was one of those things where, like, you didn't expect either of those guys to leave. You know, we've heard for years that Vince thought AJ was too small. He's too southern. He doesn't understand AJ Styles. So as I mean, I've been watching TNA since it's pretty much started. I've ordered the weekly pay-per-views. Yeah. I've, wa- I've watched AJ from the beginning. And so never in my wildest dreams as an AJ fan that I thought that he would actually sign to WWE. So that kind of like came out of nowhere. There was pretty much really no build of that. It was like he lost at, at Wrestle Kingdom. They jumped him at New Year's Dash. The rumor started. And next thing you know, he was in WWE because he was also negotiating with TNA at the time. Him and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were possibly going to go back to TNA. But then they worked things out with Triple H. So it was like AJ's kind of came out of nowhere. And same thing with Nakamura. Like nobody would expect Nakamura to leave New Japan. So with the elite guys, it's cl- they've been very upfront with when their contracts end. And they're building it into the being the elite storyline with a countdown clock. 
So this is kind of yeah. a big anticipation. We know their contracts are up, and we know there is the potential for them to jump. So there's there's kind of a bigger anticipation of what they're going to do. It's it's kind of like watching the NBA last year, knowing LeBron was going to be a free agent, and there's a chance he stays or he goes to LA. Like I get it. It was it's a real it's a real wait and see type deal. Um, I guess before we get out of here, uh, to try to talk a little WWE, what did you what did you guys think of Super Showdown? I know Kyle didn't really watch it, but he did pay he did at least see the results in some of the clips. I have one thing I want to spit a little fire on, and you already know what it is, but I got to spit it anyway. I have no interest in Daniel Bryan versus the um, versus AJ Styles. I have no interest in it. I do not care, and I love SmackDown Live, but I do not give a fuck about that match. <laughs> and, and Samoa Joe is once again a victim of the problematic push of AJ Styles. How can we fix that? We gotta Somebody be got to take the title off this motherfucker. Will that be enough to fix it? it well, it, it's they've got to take the title off and they've got to definitively win the feud. Because the problem with AJ right now is everybody faces him and everybody pushes it to the limit and then they fucking lose. They talk all that good shit and then they fucking lose. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I love AJ Styles, and I'm happy. He, you know, I'm. I, I I'm happy he's having success, but I do think they've dropped the ball in a lot of his feuds this year. You know, the Nakamura feud and the Samoa Joe feud, to be specific. And you know, it was one of those. I mean, the Joe feud was you know built so great for making Joe this monster heel, and I really think they made a mistake by not uh, putting the belt on Joe. Even if they would have, you know, mm-hmm. plopped it back to AJ, I definitely think Joe should have got it. And even like the Nakamura feud, it was just like AJ just kept beating him and beating him and beating him, and it kind of it just it like lowered the value of Nakamura. Well, and in both of those feuds, the story being told by the heel was how much of a badass they were and how they were going to beat the shit out of AJ and blah blah blah, and then they didn't. And so then they look like fucking geeks who can't actually do what they say they're going to fucking do. And like you said, it devalues them. And it's been a problem in AJ's feuds for almost two years now. Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe. Yeah. Uh, But I I will say I I watched Super Showdown. Um, I I did not wake up in the morning to watch it. Um, I, I not like not like this idiot. Yeah, right here. I did not wake, wake up at four or five a.m. You know, I, I woke up. You know, um, I think at like nine or ten o'clock and watched it then. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a good show. Um, you know, I really loved the cruiserweight title match with uh, Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander. Um, uh, shout out to Buddy Murphy for finally winning yeah. the belt. And you know, I no shout out, shout out to Rance for saying Buddy Murphy was the man two years ago. Yeah, but yeah, I I'm mean, myself some way deserved. He's he's real fire in the ring. Uh, and I, even though you know we we talked about the problem with AJ, I did really like the AJ style and Samoa Joe match. Thought the wrong guy won, but I thought it- yeah. And that's the real that's the real issue. The problem with the AJ isn't that AJ's bad in the ring and that we hate watching him. It's that the wrong guy is winning the matches because uh, the match is fine. Yeah, I enjoyed the match. Um, and then you know the whole. 
uh, Triple H versus Undertaker uh, thing. Ah, man, they you know they had all the smoke, all the mirrors. Go away to all of them. Go away to all of them. Yeah, here's well, what did you think of that, Jeremy? Yeah. So you know, I thought they did the best they could with the, what, what they had to work with. Like we've clearly seen, Undertaker is nowhere near his prime, uh, and. So you know they had homie belongs in the old folks' home. Yeah, I mean they, they tried their best with what what they had to work with, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, are these guys? Do we really need to rely on these guys to be in the main event picture? And well, okay, so so that's I'm glad you said that. That's where we're going to disagree. I want you to finish, but I don't. They're not relying on them to be. Right, oh, maybe not relying on them because I mean they they probably could have put anybody in the main event but i guess i don't know man it's like at this point like why do we still need these guys and i am the biggest Shawn michaels fan there is you know i paid good money to meet him at wrestlecon this year uh, he's been my favorite wrestler since i was three years old even when he was a heel as a kid i cheered when he threw Janetti in the glass um i was <laughs> live in tampa at 95 when he won the rumble uh, when he was, uh, when he thought, when Bulldog thought he won, so I love me some Shawn Michaels, and I will defend Shawn Michaels till the end. But I don't know if I really want to see him come out of retirement for this this tag match. That's how I feel okay. about Kane. Like growing up, Kane was one of my favorite wrestlers. Kane is still one of my one of, if not my favorite big man of all time. I love Kane. I used to always get real upset as a kid when wrestling was still real to me because Kane would get so close to the title and he'd never actually win it. But I, I don't need to see Glenn Jacobs anymore. Homie can stay mayor in Tennessee. And, and you know, I get that they want, you know, to have some nostalgia, bring back some guys from the past to, you know, draw in some casual fans. But at the end of the day, I feel like when you keep bringing in these part-timers, it, it, I feel like it hurts the full-time guys. And, you know, if they could have done this Triple H Undertaker match in the semi-main or earlier in the card and, you know, put the Shield match on the main event or put give Roman a one-on-one match in the main event, I feel like the full-time guys, they need to be featured more. And okay. there needs to be less emphasis on the part-timers. So let me retort that real quick because I, 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 was, I was waiting for somebody to bring this up. We are spoiled as hell. Because we are born in America. So WWE comes to Tampa three times a year. They come to South Carolina twice a year. They come to Houston four times a year. I can see anybody I want whenever I want to. How often do they go to Australia? Maybe once every two years? Yeah, something like that. So infrequently enough that they did an interview with the Iconics after the show and Billy Kay said she had met one of her nephews for the first time this year or for this show because she hadn't had the opportunity to go home. There you go. Since he had been born. So we look at things from our vantage point, which is the only way we can. I'm not saying we're wrong for that. But so we're seeing, oh, well, these guys are back and they're taking all the time away from these part-timers. From these full timers, the Australian fans who the show was for are seeing these guys maybe for the first time in their life, and this is their heroes. 
I've my 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 the one point I've stood on the entire time is this. This story between Sean Hunter, Kane and Taker is not canon with the rest of the show. I understand they're promoting it on the main show, but they're not interacting with other people. This is contained in its own bubble. Much like if 205 Live was still having their one match of the show on Raw, that's in its own bubble. It has nothing to do with the rest of the show. If they start interacting with other people, then I will understand the criticisms. But this is contained and it's only happening on these shows that are for crowds that don't see these people, don't see them. So if, if, if the tag match between DX and Brothers of Destruction was happening at Survivor Series, I'm on the same boat as you guys. That's too much. It's happened. It, the, the Matt Triple H Undertaker match happened at essentially a house show in Australia that was just televised. And the tag match is essentially is happening at uh, essentially a house show in Saudi Arabia, if they still have it, which is just happened to be televised. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty tense situation they got going on. We probably should have talked about that, but I don't know if I want to be controversial tonight. No, all we got to do, all we got to do is say this. Um, There's an incident with the death of a journalist in Saudi Arabia that the government may or may not have been involved in. And the company has said that they're monitoring that situation. Um, How true that is, we don't know, because we can just go by the word that we're given. Um, And so we don't know what the status is with that shit. But it's real enough that they might not not have the show. No, that's what I meant by we don't know what the status is. Like, we don't know what the status of Crown Jewel is at this moment, because... If it turns out that the Saudi government was involved in the death of a journalist, um, that's a real bad look for the company that they can't be dealing with. And you kind of can't send your guys over there in confidence knowing they'll be all right if they're killing exactly, especially well, especially considering part of your guys is a camera crew who are fucking journalists by trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely not a good look and not a good situation right now with that whole thing. Not at all, and uh, but you know you get what you pay for. Yeah. Yep. You know you know what bed you're getting in when yeah. you get involved with that kind of a regime. And and I and I am mad at them for for the money and the business perspective, but I understand what you understand everything that you are signing the. Yeah. Signing. If you get in bed with the House of Saad, that's what you get. That's what you get. But do you get my point about the match about the tag match? I mean, I understand you might not might not agree with me, but do you yeah, understand I, where, I'm, where I'm coming from? I, I understand. You? Yeah, I understand your point. I do disagree. I I do feel like what they're doing is canon because it, it is on Raw. They're they're using airtime on Raw to promote this match, to have promos, to shoot angles. Um, you know, they're constantly advertising this match on both shows, and you know these these big. You know, we want we want to call call them glorified house shows, but I mean. They're putting a lot of effort into these international shows. They're being aired on the network. They have fireworks. They have these big uh, sets and stadiums. So uh, to me, it does feel canon. I get that they're not interacting, you know, with the Shield or Braun Strowman or you know any of these other guys. Uh, but I still think that it, it's kind of canon because you know the, the commentators they build it up. There's several promos throughout the show, uh, and at the end of the day, it's like okay. I'm all like I'm fine with you know part timers coming in if if they can go, but at this point 
Undertaker can't go. I think Triple H can still go, and if you put the right guy in there with him, Triple H can still have a good match. But I don't think Undertaker can still go. I think Kane is kind of, you know, he's pretty much washed too. And then I have no idea. I mean, it's been forever since Sean wrestled. I mean, he was taking some good bumps out there, but I have no idea if he, he still has the same level that he that he was when he um, when he last left. And even if he does, if Kane and Undertaker are both washed, like he's not gonna. Yeah, I mean, Triple H is gonna be the guy that's gonna be having to like lead lead that match around. So, all I know is if they're gonna continue to emphasize these foreign shows, I I have no problem with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if they're gonna continue to emphasize these foreign shows, I need them to cut some of these B pay per views because, like. I don't need 20 special events every year. That's a little too much. I disagree with that again because this isn't for you. It isn't for you. It isn't for us. It is not made for is the goal of this show isn't for the American fans to enjoy specifically. It is a show that they are putting on for the Australians or for the Saudis or for these other companies. And they just have. Okay, let me flip it for you. 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 NXT UK just got announced today that their first day is going to be, be shown. Right? That's not for us. But we're going to watch it. It's going to be advertised. But that's not for us. The show specifically says NXT UK. That's not for us. Yeah, but I think the difference is with with that, it's like, yeah, that's NXT UK. It's airing, you know, in prime time in the UK. And I'm sure there there will be a commercial. No, it's airing primetime here. No, it's, it's airing prime. It's gonna no, it's airing primetime UK. It's airing 3 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time here. No, I, the press release I saw said it's yeah eight yeah 8 p.m. BST. Okay. Yeah, trust British Rance, I, I made the I made the same mistake earlier. I thought it was 8 p.m. our time. Okay, or my time. But yeah, I went back and read it. It's 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 airing 3 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, well those show uh, the show in Jetta aired live their time the show in australia aired live their time but that's but the point that's not the point i'm even making the point i'm making is okay i would buy that if it wasn't for the fact that like the big event or the big matches in a lot of these shows are like major title matches where they could air major title changes that i have to pay attention to if i I care about the show there's no humanly possible way i could disagree with that more number one number one the show we just had, with the exception of the Buddy Murphy match, which nobody was watching 205 anyway, if we're honest, all the main matches got redone the next night. Shit, I didn't watch. Super okay, but the, but the next, but all the major matches got redone the next night. Ronda and the Bellas versus Riot Squad, redone on Raw. Shield versus Dogs of War, redone on Raw. Charlotte versus Becky, redone on Raw. But, but here's the thing, Rance. You, you say it's not for us. But if it's not for not, us, then, not why, no. then why are they heavily promoting it on our TV? Because they spend money on it. Okay, okay. let me flip it again. Let me flip it again. I am I, I am the co-host of ChairShot Radio. ChairShot, I'm, I'm a social suplex guy. I just doesn't necessarily, doesn't, doesn't necessarily listen to ChairShot Radio. That doesn't mean I can't say at the end of the, when we finish this podcast, by the way, I host ChairShot Radio. You spend money on something, you put your, you put, you put, energy into something it's okay for you to say hey by the way if you were doing this you want to watch know, it but, cool 
but it's but not you don't just have a to hey, watch it. It's not just a hey by the way. I mean, there are promo videos and promo videos so and commercials and constant mentions. Why do you feel you have to What's watch that? it? I don't feel like personally. I don't have to watch it. But I don't want to watch it. Sure, but but you, right to, to, to Kyle's point. So the Saudi, I mean, the Australia show didn't have probably didn't have that many big matches. But if you look at Crown Jewel, the main event is a triple threat universal title match. Okay, they they could pull a title change in Saudi Arabia, and Braun Strowman or Brock Lesnar can be the universal champion. Come, okay. so you turn on, you turn on Raw. Next thing you know, there's a new universal champion. You're right. So my retort to that is: Does that mean you have to watch the whole four hour show? No. But, so 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 the 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 argument is there's too many shows with these extra outside shows. My my argument to that is these outside shows aren't specifically built for the American audience. They're built for the audience of the group that they're that they're doing, and they're just gonna show them because one WWE Network needs content. Two, they're spending money on it. Okay, so in 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 in, in to that. The, re- the retort to, to my retort was, well, you know, you're, you're, these things are these things are canon, whether I think they are or not, and uh, we have to watch them because what happens on the show might matter. My retort to that is, you can watch whatever you want. You don't have to watch the whole show. Kyle just said he didn't watch Super Showdown. He knows everything that happened. But the stuff he wanted to see, he's paid attention to. Oh, I haven't watched a single match from that show because they redid them all on Tuesday. Well, yeah. I didn't say you watched matches, but, but I'm saying like you've seen the clips of the Buddy Murphy match. You have you seen clips of it? You know what I'm saying like you've seen what you wanted to see of that match of that show. I'm just glad Cedric Alexander's not champ anymore. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But uh, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is we're being selfish in that we don't want this to happen because we think it's for us. It's not, and it's not wrong for them to want to advertise something that they're doing. That would be like saying, okay, well, they can't advertise. So in the same breath, you're essentially y'all are saying, and I know you're not, but I'm just saying hypothetically, y'all are saying in the same breath, well, they did this movie with Ms. Becky and, and Sean, Marine 27 or whatever it is, but they shouldn't advertise that on their shows because it's not raw. That's not fair. Right. They can and put it, their hands in as many pots as they want. Right. And, and we're not saying they shouldn't advertise their other products. It's just It's just how hard you go on it. I guarantee that NXT UK is not going to be hyped up as much as Crown Jewel or Super Showdown or any of these other uh, Greatest Royal Rumble. Because you know, NXT UK is in its, its own little universe. Um, and so obviously that's not canon with the main roster. So, yeah, you might get like a quick commercial that the announcers might mention it at the top of the show. We're not going to hear much about NXT UK on the main roster. But these, right, inter- but these international shows... Uh-huh. These international shows are they're built up almost as part of the pay-per-view calendar. They are built up okay, as but if they're, they're part of the pay-per-view calendar. Because they're essentially a pay-per-view for the Australian crowd shown on the WWE network. Yes. They're a pay-per-view, but not for us. They are a pay-per-view. Absolutely. Just not for us. That okay. See, this is this is this is a situation where the network almost hurts my point, because my point would be this: if we still had to watch pay per views on and on the pay per view channels and buy them like we used to, forty fifty dollars, I would I would bet money they wouldn't be on the pay per view channel in America. We'd be able to watch them because they're not for us. Yeah. 
But because well, everything's on the network and we've been spoiled, we can see it all. Well, to that so point, so we can see it all. Might as well, might as well go ahead and advertise, right? Well, to that point, Rance. Yeah, if it, if it was on traditional pay per view, it probably wouldn't be uh, on pay per view in the states, which means they probably wouldn't spend as much time promoting it to their fans in the states. They would probably have like different commercials. They might mention it, but I guarantee you, they wouldn't go as hard for Amer- on the American feed about a show that Americans cannot buy or cannot watch. You probably, you're probably right. I, I, I don't think I can dispute that at all because you're right. But I still, I still don't think it means that, the, that the, we, there another, another point real quick to, to kind of finish my point. I don't want to go, I don't want to harp on this all night because I know we got to get out of here, but we also realize that Raw on SmackDown isn't just watching America. Right. Right. And here's the thing, so, and I'm not saying they, they shouldn't do international shows. I like the international shows. It gives it a different look, a different feel. But like Kyle was saying, why not, you know, have Crown Jewel or whatever, you know, why couldn't that be like the October pay-per-view and yeah, not have a whole – another show in October? Yeah, like why can't these international shows just be – they're already kind of built into the pay-per-view calendar – just have them be a part of the 12, 13 pay-per-views that we have a year. I'm fine with them doing an international show and building this pay-per-view as part of the pay-per-view calendar um, and advertising it that way. But and I know you're going to say we don't have to watch all 24 shows. But if you're trying to keep up with the product and they're promoting this show heavily, you kind of want to you want to see you want to keep up with what's going on in these shows, especially if it's going to be advertised on every Raw, every SmackDown. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I mean, I, I I can't tell you you're wrong because you your points make sense and they're valid. I just completely disagree, totally, because I see the merit in pushing for, I see the merit in in in, in pushing a show that's specifically for another f- group of people, and just saying fuck it, I'm, a, I'm everybody got a chance to watch it if you want to watch it. There's nothing wrong with that. All the money they're spending on these shows, or essentially for Saudi Arabia, all the money they're getting for these shows, why the hell not put it on the network? I just, I don't, but it's not, these shows aren't necessarily 100% canon. They have can they have moments that are canon, absolutely. But a lot of the times, everything that happened in, everything that happened in Jeddah, with the exception of Roman spearing Brock out the cage, none of it mattered the next night. None of it did. Have you seen the Saudi Arabia belt from Braun? No, but I think I think this is going to be one of those points where we have to de- agree to a disagree uh, here. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because we can. And I, I don't want you to think that I think that you're like dead ass wrong. Like I get right, you, and right? I, I. But I just think you're looking at it from a point of view that isn't from what I, I think our biggest problem as fans is not that we're wrong at how we think. It's just that. WWE is telling you something, and you're saying, I'm not going to listen to you, WWE. I want to see it my way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I understand your point, too. Like, I'm not, you know, trying to, like, bash you for your – like, you have your view and you have your opinion. You know, Kyle and I have our view and opinion, and we're not always going to agree. But, yeah, we're, we're seeing things differently here. Kyle? Oh, I got nothing. I know better than to argue <laughs> with you. <laughs> You stubborn as shit. Well, I'm not that dumb. Yeah, I'm stubborn as shit. But I, 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 one thing about me, I'm very stubborn. But one thing about me is I will always try to get facts to back my points up. 
but before we, I guess this is a good time as any to kind of get out of here. Um, Jeremy, tell them where to find you, brother. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. Uh, keeping a strong style, you can follow that at KI Strong Style. And of course, Social Suplex at Social Suplex. And you know, Keeping It Strong Style drops uh, normally every Tuesday right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. So if you're listening to this show, make sure you're subscribed. You'll get the Outsider's Edge along with our show and all the other great programs we have on the network. Kyle? You can find me online at Dr. S'mores. You can also find our good brother Carl at Outsider Curvin. He has the most interesting and active Twitter of the Outsider's Edge podcast. So uh, he's the person to go to if you want to be entertained. Yeah, active Twitter, never on my <laughs> Damn. Buried that man. Hashtag Carl. Bring them back. Uh, you can find me at uh, It's Ray Cash, R U Y as in Mysterio, C A S C A S H as in Dollars. Uh, you can also find the show at Outsiders Edge SS. I also, as I mentioned earlier, I uh, I do a podcast on the Chairshot Radio Network, Chairshot Radio at Chairshot Radio, uh, with Christopher Platt at The Real C Platt. Uh, the Edge is simulcast on Chairshot Radio and Social Suplex Network. So, uh, shout out to the Chairshot at Chairshot at thechairshot.com. Always uh, use your head. Always use your head. Um, and uh, if you guys don't have nothing else, Kyle, you can take us out, brother. All right. Um, as y'all know, we are just some young men trying to live our dreams, and you got to respect that. So if you we said anything today that you don't agree with or that hit you and made you feel a certain type of way, just keep in mind that we're following our dreams, and you have to respect us for following our dreams. And also keep in mind that if you don't respect us, we don't give a fuck. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen.